0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, Easter is the time for us to think about heaven. It's the uh, time of the glorious mysteries where we reflect on all the things that will happen in the afterlife. And Holy Mother Church says all that she can during this time of Easter to turn our thoughts towards heaven. Every day in the breviary at the hour of prime. The the priest uh, reads the the words of St. Paul, where St. Paul uh, says to us that that we are to seek the things that are above where Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father. And he even says to us to taste the things that are above more than the things that are of this earth. So um, we need to think about heaven. That is where Christ is and where we are not. Uh, we, are, we are made for our Lord. We are made to, to dwell with our Lord forever. Um, he right now is, is dwelling in heaven. We are dwelling on this earth. And if we, if we want to be with Him um, one day forever in heaven, if that's what we're made for, um, then we definitely need to think about Him being there. And we need to think about our eternal destination, what it will be like. You know how, um, well, if, if you love someone, um, you, you desire to be with them, especially when they're absent, when you're, we're not, when you're not in their presence. Um, and as I say, we, we are meant to, to love our Lord uh, more than anything else. We're meant to love our Lord more than we love our wife and our husband, more than we love our children, more than we love ourselves. So we, we must, to, to, to love our Lord, we're going to have to reflect about Him um, And especially, as I say, um, about his heavenly state, which we hope to partake in one day. So thinking about heaven is a good thing for us because it helps us to to long to be with our Lord. It helps us pursue our heavenly goal. In the epistle today, St. Peter gives us another reason why we should think about heaven He's addressing people, and he, he says, We have to remember that we are pilgrims and strangers in this life. Um, you know what it's like to be on, uh, on a pilgrimage. Uh, perhaps you've been on, on a pilgrimage before. We have this long pilgrimage in, in Denver where we walk 45 miles in, in two days. And, and when you're in the midst of, of walking, we're walking from our church to the Mother Cabrini Shrine, and you're in the midst of walking um, on, on this very long walk, uh, as a pilgrim, it's natural for you to be thinking about your destination. Thinking about, okay, where am I going? Um, what is it going to be like when I get there? Um, what does the place look like? So, the, the, in other words, the, the state of mind of the pilgrim is of someone who's thinking about their destination. They're thinking about that, that goal that they're striving to reach. It's just someone who's, who's going somewhere. And that's, that's our situation. We, we are not made for this life. We're, we're going somewhere. We have a destination. Uh, I mean, we as Catholics, we know that we're, we're made for heaven, and, and we're supposed to be pursuing heaven during this life. And, and if, if you don't have heaven on your mind, if you're not thinking about heaven um, at all during, during this life, then quite simply, you're not on the pilgrimage. You, you're not walking the walk. You're, you're not going to be pursuing heaven if you're, if you're never thinking about it. So if, if we are truly pilgrims in this life, um, then we have to think about our destination in order to be walking towards it. We have to th- be thinking about heaven. Um, we don't want the afterlife to just to spring upon us suddenly, and all of a sudden it hits us. This is the way it happens with people of the world. They're not thinking about the afterlife at all. They're just thinking about this life, and then, then they die, and, that, and that's it. And they're all of a sudden, they're, they're launched into the afterlife. They haven't been walking towards it. It's, it's some jumps on them. Um, that must not be the way it is with us. We, we must be thinking about the afterlife. This is what the reason for our Lord's parables, uh, his watching parables. He's always telling us to watch. Be ready. Be like those wise virgins who have their lamps lit. Um, they're looking for the coming of the bridegroom. We're also, says St. Peter, we're also strangers in this life. A stranger is, is simply a foreigner, someone, someone who's not from the country, it's someone uh, who's from overseas, we, we, we would say. Um, and and we're, we're like that with regards to this earth. Um, we, we are foreigners here on this earth. This is, this is not our true home. Earth is, is not our true home. It's not really where we come from you say to yourself, "Well, no, actually, I do come from earth I was, I was born I was born here in North Dakota I was, I was born wherever you, you were born, um, I am from this this earth well, okay, yeah you you, you were born here but but you came from God um, you, your, your soul came forth from God and and God, in a sense is heaven he- heaven is the same as God so you you, we may say you came from heaven in the sense that you came from God himself. I mean, God God had to create your souls. Yes, your, your parents um, had, had to produce you in a, in a certain way, but, but the most important part was, was God creating your soul at that moment of your conception and infusing that soul into the matter provided by your parents. So in that sense, you do come from heaven, and heaven is where you must go. It's, it's what you're made for. You have to return to God. You came forth from God and you have to return to God. And, and so so that is is your true home. Heaven heaven is your true home. And this earth is, is not your true home. You are a stranger here, you are a foreigner here. And and someone who well is um is a native of, of a certain place, they they, they, they have to want to, to get back there. I mean if if it's their true home, they're always wanting to get back. The true home. This is how we must be while we're here on this earth. So let us think about heaven. Let's try to reflect on heaven. What is it like? What is heaven like? What will it be like? God willing, if one day we make it there, it's not easy. It's not easy to think about heaven. It's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing. I think I think the glorious mysteries. Uh, are more difficult for us to reflect upon than the joyful and sorrowful mysteries. The joyful and sorrowful mysteries are about stuff that happens here on this earth. Things that fall within our experience. The glorious mysteries are about things that we have not experienced at all. None of us have experienced what happens in heaven. So it's, it's more difficult to think about heaven. If, if you think about... Consider um, a child who was, was born in Poland and then is brought at a very young age to the United States. And, and the child knows, OK, I was, uh, I'm, I'm actually Polish by birth, but I'm living in another place. And all my experience is of the United States of America. I have no experience of Poland at all. Um, and they, they, have, they will have a certain love for, for Poland, but, but not really any basis for that love other than the fact they know that they were born there. And that's kind of how it is with us with regards to heaven. I mean, we know we, know we came from God. We're meant to go to God. Um, but we have no memory of heaven. We have no experience of heaven to draw upon. Not only do we have no memory of heaven, we know that, that heaven is really, really different from earth. Uh, the The experience of the blessed in heaven, the saints and the angels that are there, are, aren't necessarily going um, to be very, very different compared to what it's like here on earth. So it's, it's kind of hard for us to think about heaven. So what do we do when we want to know about a place that we have no memory of and is quite different from where we are? How, how do we think about it? How, how do we contemplate the glorious mysteries of the rosary when we're asked to contemplate something that's beyond our experience. Well, my dear faithful, we, what we do is, is we have to speak to someone who does know that place well um, and ask them what it is like. What is it like in heaven? And of course, that person is, is our Lord. Our Lord knows heaven extremely well. Um, he's been there for all eternity. And so he's in a very good position to tell us what heaven is like. And he talked to the apostles about heaven at the Last Supper. This is one of the things, that, the last things that he wanted to address them about. What heaven is like. He tells them, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to the Father. And the Father is, is heaven. And he also predicted that the apostles will one day see him again in heaven. He's kind of predicting that the, the apostles will, will go to heaven um, one day. And well, I think we can pick out two characteristics of heaven that, that our Lord uh, speaks about when he's talking to the apostles. And I, I think these two characteristics will perhaps help us when, when we, want to, we want to go through this exercise. We want, we want to think about what is it going to be like in heaven, God willing, if I make it there one day? What, what will it be like? How can I think about this? What will I experience if I make it to heaven One of the characteristics is in today's gospel. Our Lord spends a long time on it. And the other is the line that immediately follows today's gospel. If you kept reading in the 16th chapter of St. John, you would find it there. So the first thing that our Lord speaks about and spends a long time about today in talking about heaven is the characteristic of joy. People in heaven are really happy. I think that, that seems pretty obvious. Like we, we all know that, that that is definitely going to be a characteristic of heaven, the joy. Joy is going to be a characteristic of heaven. And we ask ourselves, we say, well, what, what's special about that? How, how, how is the joy of heaven, uh, how is that a characteristic of heaven? We, when we also have joy here below, um, well, obviously there's not, there's not going to be anything special about the happiness of heaven if the happiness of heaven is exactly the same as the happiness of earth. Um, but of course... It's not. The happiness of heaven is far superior to the happiness of this earth. The happiness that we have here below uh, might be compared to, to the, the labor of a woman, compared to, to what her happiness uh, when, when she has brought forth the child, uh, um, where, where she forgets her sorrow. In other words, the, even the joys that we have here below um, will seem like sorrows compared to the happiness that we will have in heaven. There's something essentially different between the happiness of earth and the happiness of heaven that our Lord speaks about when he's talking to the apostles. He says, I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man shall take from you. We all know that whatever happiness we have on this earth, it's a very fragile thing. It's, it's, it's very susceptible of being swept away. We may be happy one moment. You know, we may be happy for a few hours. You know, we may be in a good mood. But very quickly, that joy is, is taken away from us. It's, it's swept away by some sorrow that, that comes to us. Or maybe it's something that, that comes uh, from our own mood change. Maybe it comes from something bad that, that happens in the world, some evil that is out of our control. But, but we all know that, that it's absolutely impossible for us to, to hold on to joy in this life. Whatever joy that we have, it's fluctuating. It's going to fluctuate. It's going to go away and return and go away and return. That's, that's simply the, the nature of, the, of life on this earth. That's not going to be the way it is in heaven. It will be a joy that will never go away. It will never be diminished. It will never be taken away. You know, C.S. Lewis, um, once, uh, when, he, when he wrote his, his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, um, he talked about how um, when, when, he, when, when he experienced joy, um, and he, he loved it so much, This this feeling of joy that he would have, uh, perhaps uh, coming into contact with some beautiful thing, and just be immediately elated within himself. And he liked it so much that, that he wanted to some, somehow find a way to, to trap joy, um, to hoard joy, to get joy and, and just preserve it in such a way that, that he could not lose it, that the joy would not go away. Um, and what, what, what he found was that the more he tried to, to trap the joy and, and, to, and to hoard the joy, and keep it, the harder it was to, to hold on to it. it it's, it's not something that, that we can hold on to in this life. Um, and if, if you're just looking for consolations in this life, if you're just looking to, to have that joy and hold on to that joy, um, what, what you find is it becomes hard. It, it becomes harder to have joy. Um, you can't just manufacture joy. For C.S. Lewis, this is is an indication to him that the ultimate source of joy is not in this life. It is in another life. And that's that's what's true. Um, It's it's really hard for us to imagine what it would be like to have a joy that never abates, that, that never diminishes, that never fluctuates, that never goes away. This is what we must imagine when we think of heaven always being in a state of joy, a joy that never diminishes. The other characteristic of heaven that is, is the one that our Lord mentions right after the gospel, he's talking to the apostles about prayer and he says to them, and that day when you get to heaven, you shall not ask me anything. Heaven will be a place where you will not need anything. All the needs that you have on this earth, all the things that you are looking to acquire, you will no longer want, you will no longer need. You will not need food. You will not need drink. You will not need air. You will not need sleep. You will not need any material things. You won't need security. You won't need a police force to, to defend you, you know, to defend your, your house. You won't need transportation to get from one place to the other. Even the things that, many things that concern our spiritual life and our pursuit of heaven, we will not need. We will not need mortification. We will not need to go to confession. We will not need uh, renouncement, acts of renouncement. We won't need anything. We will be in a state where we will not need anything. We will have absolutely everything that we need. And in such a way, again, that, that we will not be able to lose that state. We'll be utterly and perfectly satisfied. The, the whole question of the prepare, there, there is a certain prayer that we do here on earth that will not exist in heaven. And this is the prayer of petition, where we ask God for the things that we need. We will not make this prayer in heaven, because we will not need this prayer. We will still have the prayer of adoration, we will still have the prayer of thanksgiving. We will not have the prayer of reparation. We will not have the prayer of petition. Because if you don't need anything, you don't ask for anything. And in heaven, we will not need anything. Again, this is something very difficult for us to think about. To be in a state where I will not need anything whatsoever. What will that be like? So my dear faithful, let us try to think a little bit about heaven during this Easter time, um, where Christ dwells, where we hope to be one day. We are just pilgrims and strangers in this life. Uh, heaven is, is our real home. You are made for our Lord. You are made to love Him um, above all things. Think a little bit about Him and have this great desire to be with Him one day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, Amen.